This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, December 8th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside a man who is waiting for Santa Claus to deliver that new pair of Jordans on Christmas, Jerem Jordan. Oh, yeah, of course. It's, it's it, I just call them shoes when they're Jordans. But, um, yeah, Bilt Bar showed up at practice with literally with Santa with boxes of shoes from Bilt Bar, handing them out to everybody. <laughs> Open up a Bilt Bar band, boom, all these Nikes. Uh, pretty awesome, man. Uh, it's a good time to be on the BYU football team for multiple reasons. How do we get on the nice list? from Built Bar and have Santa Claus deliver us brand new Jordans in Studio B. We need to play football for Brigham Young. Cody Hoffman said, man, things have changed a lot since I played there. Yes, they have. <laughs> you always go to the Big 12 and beat Utah. Holy cow. And it's ranked in a, a Power 5 flush year. Man, oh man. Pretty All right, good. with uh, our new Jordans pending, here's your guaranteed show lineup, BYU and Utah State, ready to renew the rivalry on the basketball side. Mark Durant, radio analyst, former BYU basketballer, is going to preview how BYU matches up with Utah State's big man star Justin Bean after Gavin Baxter went down with a season-ending injury. Heather Olmstead goes one-on-one with Jerem Jordan to preview the Sweet 16 matchup for the Cougars and Purdue Boilermakers. And is Kalani Satake straight up the key to success for the future of BYU football? I know there are some interesting ideas floating out around about him potentially leaving BYU. Is he the key to success for the Cougars? Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. It is a ball night for number 24 BYU men's basketball against Utah State and Provo. The Cougars go for a 10th straight win versus the Aggies, who haven't defeated BYU and Provo since 2004 and anywhere since 2011. Utah State forward Justin, Mr. Brother Bean, is tops in the nation, uh, top five in points and rebounds a game, 22 and 12, which Mark Pope says is really neato. Mm-hmm. And he's a 22 and 12. A uh, guy shooting 66% from the field. Uh, he's playing just elite level basketball and he's doing it all in the concept of his team. He's not, you know, not force feeding shots, he's just going and earning them through the kind of actions they're playing. Shit, I saw him Thursday in person, he's really good. Pope Paul said Gideon George participated in a full practice yesterday for the first time since missing both games last week. He lost 12 pounds Whoa. due to an illness. You know what that's I like. I know about that. Listen to Cougar pregame live 8 Eastern tonight. Watch Countdown to tip off with Ty and I and Spence and Dave Blaine at 8.30 Eastern. Kalani Satake, speaking of the man, named to the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year finalist list. He's one of 13 on that list. And he's done so for the second consecutive year. In fact, all three coaches... From major programs in the state of Utah, Kalani Satake, Kyle Whittingham at Utah, and Blake Anderson at Utah State are named finalists. It has been a banner year for college football in the Beehive State. And BYU won the Beehive boot. So there yes, you go. they did. Alex Barcelo and Sarah Hampson are senior class award candidates from men and women's basketball. A player must be D1 and have, quote, notable achievements in the community, classroom, character, and competition. The four C's, Spencer. Yes, they are. I'm marking them down right now mentally for the rest of forever. I was like, what did I do at BYU? Uh, Maybe one of those? (laughs) We are less than 24 hours away from BYU women's volleyball. The number 11 seed taking on the number 6 seed, Purdue, in the Sweet 16 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A Thursday morning showdown, 11 a.m. Eastern. 
We'll be on the air while that match is happening. Yeah, we'll just watch it and tell you what's going on. How about that? It'll be live on ESPNU, so you can stream it on your phones while you're participating in the podcast or watching us on BYU TV. Multi-screen experience. Let's do this. Yeah, consume it how you want. Heather Olmstead again, one-on-one with Jerem a little bit later. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Will he stay or will he go? Kalani Satake is once again in the heavy rumor mill to potentially be leaving BYU if he decides that is what is best for him. Jerem, our question is today, while we wait for Kalani to either sign an extension at BYU or heaven forbid, go somewhere else. Is he the key to success for BYU football moving forward with everything that is to come for the Cougars, Big 12 uh, inclusion among that? I think so. I think Kalani is the key to everything that's going on right now uh, with BYU. He's certainly established some really, really good coaches around him. Um, I think Aaron Roderick's become one of the best play callers in the country. B-roll with Aaron, nicely timed. Uh, BYU defensively has been good the past several years. I know some people don't like the means, but the numbers are nice, right? There's some really nice, uh, good assistance, um, good recruiting, good pipeline, good culture. But the figurehead of that is truly important in establishing all that. He's not 20 games over 500. I mean, there was a moment in 2019 where he was like a game over 500. Um, it's nice to go 21 and three the last two. It's nice to go 26 and five since the middle of 2019 when he made A Rod the primary play caller. When BYU is two and four, I think I think he's at the heart of everything that's happening with BYU football right now. I really do. I think these players that like Kingsley, Suamataia, and a lot of the guys that they're going to sign in a week from today on Football Signing Day, which you can watch right here on BYU Sports Nation, uh, are, are invested in Kalani as the guy. So I think it's really important that moving forward, Kalani be here. If he's not, certainly you deal with that if that happens. Uh, notice I didn't say when, but if that happens. And uh, you go from there. But, yeah, Kalani, what Kalani has done in the last two years specifically. So in 2019, it was like the, the babies on that team, yes. a.k.a. the freshmen, yes. built to, um, sorry, 2018 even, to 2020, being ready to embrace that. And then this year has been, as I said, the, the continuation is harder. The sequel is harder than the original. Like what George Lucas did with Empire Strikes Back was more impressive to me than even Star Wars. A New Hope, because you had to go there again, and you had to do it even better. What Jaron Hall and this group have answered has been really impressive, and the whole team had to bring it. So, yeah, Kalani's the key to everything right now. He's the reason that BYU is where they are for sure. BYU's on the express train of success right now. The Polar Express train since it's Christmas time? Sure, why not? Choo-choo! Tom Hanks, you dog! Recruiting, winning... Advancing to the Big 12, getting big-time recruits in the transfer portal. All of this is because Kalani Satake has established something that has gotten on rails and is now moving at an express train speed. If he left, this would force a stop or two or maybe four or five along the way to figure out how BYU gets back on rails and hopefully gets back into that express lane. It's just going to take time. Like, so for me, it's, it, it would feel like the end of the world for a lot of BYU fans, and I'd be right there at the front of them. Oh, yeah. No, it, it'd be a challenge if that If happened. Kalani decided to leave BYU. Yeah. But he, he'll tell you, and I'll tell you, that it's, 
a program is bigger than one man, even if it's the head coach. But that doesn't mean that it wouldn't significantly set BYU back a number of years. Yeah. Because who's out there? I don't even want to go there mentally. No. We I, don't, I, I'm we not don't, going to. And right we don't now. have to until that moment. I, I, yeah, exactly. So I'm just going to enjoy the fact that BYU is on rails. They've got the conductor, Kalani Satake, on the success train right now. Moving at an express level. Yes. Come on now. Like, this isn't just – this tourney train hat isn't exclusive to basketball, it's right? The, it's the college football playoff hat, too. The conductor's hat, and Kalani <laughs> can wear the conductor's hat, too. BYU is rolling right now, and I hate to even think about where they would have to stop and slow down and repair – if he decided to leave. I have mixed feelings about this hat. Do you remember why? Uh, because it's a special hat? I don't know. Because it doesn't Because we great. got it from Dairy oh, Queen. Oh, you got sick at the, I, I got at the food poisoning. <laughs> I would go there a million times again. I'm not saying anything oh, disparaging boy. of the restaurant. You got, you got sick. But I got I on that day I got sick. So when I see that hat, I think about throwing up. <laughs> Between that day and then you dropping me off at the airport back in 2014 oh, yeah, and having okay. to throw so, up in the garbage. Before we had like, you have four kids, now I have two. We, I think we had one each or something at the time. But anyways, you're, both are like spouse are out of town or something. I, I stay over at your house. We just play like college football yeah. and say college football 14 like till 1 a.m. or whatever. Like, you know, 2014. <laughs> right. <laughs> it would just come out maybe. <laughs> I drop you up to the airport and, and then I, I just – Ralph in an outdoor <laughs> garbage can. A lot of me throwing up. I don't know what's going on here. Well, okay. uh, it's natural we because we're talking about up. Kalani leaving and doesn't it bring that sensation back to your stomach? Again, I don't, I don't think Kalani's going to leave. But there's a chance he does. Okay, I, I hope that BYU can finalize the deal with him ASAP. And it sounds like, according to Tom Homel from Visiting Us Monday, that they are actively working on that. And it that almost sounded like they already had something in place that just needs to be finalized. Who knows? We'll see. Okay, topic two. And speaking of uh, the conductor sat in the hype train. Right. BYU hosts Utah State in men's hoops tonight uh-huh. on a nine-game win streak. To borrow a phrase from our friends to the north that didn't come to pass. Hopefully it does tonight. Is 10 coming? <laughs> I sure hope so because BYU's on their home floor and they're rolling, but... You're going to go the distance with the hat? Well, only for the rest of the block. Okay, yeah. yeah That's only, what I meant. Only for the rest yeah, of yeah, the yeah. block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. why not? I mean, yeah. I've it, committed. You, you look good. I've committed to Conductor Kalani and <laughs> is it Conductor, conductor with a K? in BYU basketball. Yes, it is Conductor with a K when you're discussing Kalani <laughs> Satake. This is a massive opportunity for Utah State to, as John Rothstein put it this morning, move the needle for the Aggies and for the Mountain West Conference. Uh, this this is a statement game potentially for the Aggies because of the losing streak to BYU. They've got a new head coach, but they're playing, playing pretty good basketball. You watched them firsthand in Logan good, man. lose to Randy Bennett in dramatic, controversial fashion, yeah. but still a loss. Randy so, Bennett did his usual thing in the line. <laughs> <laughs> Utah State's looking to bounce back so against BYU and a BYU team that's still trying to figure some things out in the post where Utah State has – an advantage with Justin Bean. Um, I expect that BYU will figure it out because that's what they do. That's what they do. Other than Utah Valley, and I'm giving them a pass because of the Gavin Baxter situation and so many players being sick. And it was a weird, ugly game. And those are going to happen in college basketball. Unfortunately, it was in a rivalry format at Utah Valley, so it just felt Eh, really weird. But it's a quad two loss right now, okay? 
This is a top 50 net showdown. Two really good teams, but I expect BYU and The Rock to show out. Mm -hmm. The home crowd, the home situation will be the difference tonight for BYU against the Aggies. And I think BYU is an eight-point favorite going in. I think that's Six and two, a half. Well, six and a half now? Eight from Ken Palm. See, I think that's a little too high. I expect this to be like a four to a six-point game. It's going to be very competitive, but I expect BYU to figure it out. I do not. Uh, you know, double down, spoiler here, I think BYU will cover. Um, let, let me tell you why it was close with St. Mary's. Because St. Mary's missed the first 13 threes of the game Ooh. they took. Okay, If St. Mary's just makes three or four of those, it's not as close. Doesn't that sound like BYU, Jerem? It does. Uh, Spencer Johnson and Alex Barcelo shooting 45% rest of team, 29%. It's rough right now. So if they just make a few threes, then they'll cover. Make a few threes, they cover. But if they don't, which they haven't really. Then then it could be interesting. Let's talk about Justin Bean. Dude's incredible. He really is. He's shooting such high percentage. He leads the team in steals. He's making threes at 56% as well, and he's made like 10. Like He's another double-double machine. Listen, this dude's a return missionary. I don't know if you ever wanted to play at BYU. It would have been fun to have Brother Bean here. We could have called him Mr. Bean. There could have been some cool posters. Anyway, he's a good player, dude. I think the Caleb Lohner matchup with him is going to be really fun. I, I really do. I think that's going to be a battle that Caleb will take personally, and it's going to be fun to watch tonight. Utah State's good. I just think BYU's a little bit better. Justin Bean reminds me of Spencer Nelson. Like I feel Ooh, like he's, he's behind in double doubles. By the way, he's he's Spencer Nelson reincarnate in a lot of ways. Just really smart and really good footwork around the hoop. Yeah, we don't believe in reincarnation. Excellent right? rebounder. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like he's he could be a problem. Spencer Nelson's like I'm still here. Big problem for some young big men tonight at BYU. If Caleb Loner gets into foul trouble, then it falls on Fusini Traore. Yeah, and to Atiki Aliatiki, and, and it'll be interesting because they have a, Justin Bean's not a five; he's a four. So who are you going to put? Brandon Horvath as a six ten starting center. Yeah. So who, who's BYU going to line up there? Maybe Gideon George, but how's he feeling, right? Athletically, all of these reasons rebounding. Why ex- I expect it to be close? Yes. Our question of the day now: Back to football. We discussed our reasoning for why we think Kalani Satake is the reason BYU football is on rails. Conductor Kalani with a K. And the key to success for BYU football moving forward. But we want to hear your opinions. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. This hat is very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. At 86WI Coog answers on Twitter. Kalani has players, staff, university, fans, etc. believing that they can do anything. You just look at the team on the field versus USC. Two and three stars for BYU, second and third stringers, walk-ons going up against four and five-star athletes, and winning. Kalani is the key to taking the show into the Big 12 and beyond. Amen. Continue to weigh in. Coming up is the Independence Boy. Better game than we think, what CBS Sports said. Mark Durant joins us to talk about tonight's in-state rivalry showdown against Utah State. Oh, he's got the leg lamp. too long. He's got the Christmas story leg lamp. Since Mark has joined us. Don't go anywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU and Utah State tonight. BYU basketball. Can't wait for that. BYU radio coverage begins at 8 Eastern with Cougar Pregame Live. 8.30 Eastern. Countdown to tip-off. And then, of course, the game's at 9. Welcome back to Studio B. We are live with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. 
It has been way too long since we featured our next guest on the program. He is the BYU basketball radio analyst, a man who averaged nearly six points a game while he played for the Cougars. Mark Durant is back on BYU Sports Nation. Mark, great to have you. How are you? I'm doing great, boys. Uh, I've missed you. You know I love you, and uh, it's great to be on again, being in the middle of basketball season once again. That's my favorite time of the year, Christmas time, basketball time. Doesn't get any better. I just want to know how we can get one of those lamps that you feature in your office into Studio B. Amazon. Well, you see, you can't you can't just buy it. You have to win it. It's a major award, <laughs> and I won it. Really? Tell and us about so it. So I don't I don't think I can help you on that. But uh, would you win? Yeah, I mean, well, I thought it was a bowling alley at first. <laughs> nice. Fair enough. Okay, let's talk BYU and Utah State. Uh, this is a big game. Uh, top 50 net matchup. BYU trying to uh, continue the streak, which has gone really well. I didn't realize until you know, this week. It was like, oh, it's been 10 years since BYU lost to Utah State. But Aggies are good. I think BYU is better, but Aggies are good. Yeah, I mean, the Aggies are good, and they're, they're always tough. I, I don't remember them ever not being tough, and this Justin Bean is incredible. I mean, have you, can you ever remember a time that BYU has had to play three big men in a row that averaged the double-double? I mean, that, that's just crazy. Yes. I mean, they just keep getting better and better. And uh, Justin Bean is as hard a player as I've ever seen. I mean, he's not he's not a fancy guy. He just he just seems to want it more than anybody and gets the rebounds and has really developed in, into a nice player. And you talk about how good Alex Barcelo is shooting, and really there's no one in the country except maybe Justin Bean who has the same similar types of numbers as Alex Barcelo. He's a big guy. So, uh, I mean, he's terrific. And, uh, you know, I, I have nightmares uh, still from Ryan Jones a couple of years ago in the Huntsman Center. And so he scares me. Uh, he hasn't played maybe as well as he helped to so far, but, um, you know, he'll be up for this game. And, uh, you know, they've, they've got some guys. They've, it's a different team than last year when BYU went up there and got a big win. Uh, but you still have Justin Bean, and he is terrific. And, and when he's on the floor, they're going to have a chance to win games. So the big question, Mark, is how do you slow down a guy who has been so dynamite for the Aggies, averaging a double-double, as you mentioned, 22 points, 12 rebounds. And BYU's down Gavin Baxter and Richard Harward. Bean plays the four. So is this all about Caleb Lohner, or is there somebody else that can get involved in trying to slow down Justin Bean? Well, I think Caleb will have to be the point of the spear, right? Because he, you know, being such a physical guy and, and Caleb is one guy that can match that. I mean, Caleb is kind of an Adonis. I mean, I wished I looked like that in college. It, I, I wish like whatever. I mean, there's only Spencer <laughs> and Caleb that kind of look like that. Um, he, he's a guy and he's quick enough, strong enough that, He's not going to be overpowered by Justin Bean, I don't think. The thing maybe you need to be worried about is foul trouble for him. Uh, but then you bring in uh, – that, that's why you're really happy about having a guy like Atiki Ali Atiki, who's pretty raw, right, but he's so strong and big. You just want to be able to throw big bodies at Justin Bean and just keep yourself in between him and the basket, make him shoot over the top of you. And He's going to make shots. He's going to get rebounds, but you just want to – kind of limit what he can do out, out on the floor. So I, I think with a couple of different guys and just a focus being on Justin Bean defensively that BYU should be able to do a nice job. They did a nice job against uh, Gage Prim 
the other night, he, he got a few buckets late, which hurt, but overall they did a nice job. And, uh, and, and so, you know, it's tough not having Gavin back there, uh, but uh, I think, I think with Caleb Lohner and, and Ed, Ed Al that uh, I think BYU can do some things to try and limit Justin Bean's effectiveness. Yeah, he's going to pull him out to the three-point line, whoever's guarding him. He's shooting 56% from three as well and has made 10. You know, it's not like he's shot three of five or whatever. Um, let's talk about the, the guard I think the guard line. I think that's where BYU's biggest advantage is in this game. BYU's experience in the backcourt of two, you know, fifth- and sixth-year seniors in Tijon Lucas and Alex Barcelo going up against Ryland Jones and then uh, R.J. Idlerock, who's a UMBC transfer who came with Coach Ryan Odom. That those two can really control a game, and we've seen that. Yet we've seen times like Utah Valley, I guess just the one time where you shot so poorly it was hard to overcome. So how do you think those guards can control this game? Well, I do think there's a real advantage there. I mentioned Ryland and Brock and those guys. I mean, they've got some guys on the perimeter, but BYU should have a huge advantage uh, at the guard line with, uh, uh, you know, Alex and Tijon particularly. I mean, I tell you what, boys. Tijon against Missouri State, wow. Late Special. in that game, there, he wasn't going to let UVU happen again, was he? I mean, he, I mean, it's like watching my kids' video games when they get, like, the, the magic pellet or whatever, and they go all <laughs> super powerful and go running through all the bad guys, knocking them off the thing. I mean, Tijon was, he got the power pellet, and he was like, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to go take care of this. And, and he was just amazing. And Alex was better. I mean, I think the UVU thing, go credit UVU with their defense, but man, I, I think that was a an anomaly. And I think Tijon particularly is feeling very confident in his game. And I think, you know, with that guard line, Justin Bean better have a good night because they'll need it because BYU's guards are are terrific and and I think are playing really well. Mark, are you kids playing video games where they build a dam with a beaver? They get the power pellet? What's going on there? I don't know, man. I, I, I hate the video game. I told my kids a couple of years ago, I'm not buying a single more video game for you ever. I bought every single system for the history, and I ain't buying any more video games. So, sorry, kids. They're pretty much gone anyway, so my daughter's not that, that into them, so that's okay. Mark, get off she my lawn Durant here. <laughs> yes, we were talking with Mark Durant, BYU basketball radio analyst, former Cougar basketballer on BYU Sports Nation. The Utah State game, of course, is a huge one with rivalry implications. BYU is trying to win a tenth in a row against the Aggies, which is pretty wild because that's a pretty proud program that uh, resides in Logan. But then BYU has a neutral side showdown in South Dakota against a very good Creighton team. Mark, when you put those two games together, has this in a way become like the biggest week of the season for BYU? What do you think? Well, first of all, South Dakota in December. Thanks a lot for scheduling that one for me. I appreciate that. You better believe I'm going to the Bahamas next year as payment for this this little trip. Uh-huh. But uh, that's a great chance to play Creighton, though. Uh, I don't think Creighton's as good as they have been, uh, but they're still very good. And of course, Utah State's very good. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's the biggest week. I mean, every every week seems to get more difficult, and more important, and uh, so we'll see how it goes, but I like the fact that BYU's at home against Utah State. Um, I, I think that, you know, going up to the spectrum would really concern me. Um, and and we're not going to uh, – it's near Creighton, but we're not playing at Creighton's place. It's neutral site. So I think, you know, 
I, I think this BYU team needs wins simply for confidence, given what's happened recently. I think that's why it's a big week. Uh, most importantly, is can can we get the confidence that we can win without Gavin Baxter and and you know prove that we're still a team that you know is a top 15, top 10 type team. And I think if they can get some good, two good solid wins here, that they'll reestablish that. I think in their minds, more importantly, just the mental aspect of really knowing this is a special team. We're a very good team. Wherever we go across the country, whoever we play, we can win. BYU is shooting 29% from three. That's going to cost the Cougars at some point. It certainly did against Utah Valley. If it's Spencer Johnson or Alex Barcella taking the shots, it's good, as we talked about, 45% average. Why, why will that get better, in your opinion, and will it? Well, here's why. Because, uh, I mean, you're not going to make a, a shooter better overnight. Uh, but I, I think we've seen enough from some guys to know that they're underperforming and – uh, even Alex Barcelo, I mean, as good as his numbers are the last few games, he's been, uh, hasn't shot well. Um, Trevin Nell, I think is clearly a better shooter than he's shooting. Uh, and so he doesn't have to get better. He just needs to raise his game to where he should be. Um, I think Tijon can be better. Obviously Caleb Lohner, we know just from last season that he's better than what he's shown. Um, and, and so you've got guys, uh, that I think have proven in the past where they should be and they're not there. So it's not a huge leap for me to think they can get there. It's not that they're going to have some, you know, magic fairy godmother touch them on the head. And now they're a good the three-point shooter. That's, that doesn't happen. <laughs> but I think those guys can get better. Caleb's got to be better. I mean, as good as he is and he does so many good things, you need to have a guy on the perimeter that can shoot the three at that spot. And I think he can, because if you if you don't, what happens? BYU likes to play their bigs on the perimeter, run the offense through their bigs. If I'm playing BYU right now, I don't guard Caleb Lohner. I, I, I help on other guys, and yeah. it will slow down the offense, and will it will clog up the middle. Uh, so as, as much as I love Caleb, and like he did last year in this game against Utah State, this would be a good time to get off the snide, start hitting some threes, and that will really help this team. Mark, we love you, and we love Lamp. We appreciate the time, my friend. <laughs> Always great to speak with you. Look forward to a great game. We'll see you courtside tonight in the Marriott Center. Hey, I love you guys. Always good to talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Mark Duran on BYU Sports Nation. The power pellet the power? is the key need for to, T. John Lucas. Need to get the power pellet next to the leg lamp. I love Lamp. <laughs> Coming up, I love Lamp. Heather Olmstead from Pittsburgh as her team prepares for the Sweet 16. And All-American Kenzie Kerber, who plays for Heather Olmstead, found a new home with BYU Volleyball. Her inspirational and emotional story next. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. On the latest Deep Blue podcast, I talked with Travis Hansen about his mom's influence on his life, playing in Spain and Russia and being nicknamed El- Elder 8 Mile. I was just out there one mile on my miss. Listen to it on the BYU Radio app and we're podcasting. He is Jeremiah Spencer. This is BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show at any point throughout the day, follow us on all of the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Let's whip it.
The Cougar Whip Ramp presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. I think we just got the power pellet. Power pellet! CBS Sports ranks the BYU versus UAB Independence Bowl as the 13th most intriguing bowl matchup. Is this too high, too low, or just right? I don't care, Jerem. <laughs> I straight up do not care. <laughs> but for the sake of answering the question, it feels just right. Why not lucky number 13 for BYU and UAB? It's no, I looked at some of the bowl matchups. Iowa, Kentucky is a double ranked matchup. That's better on New Year's Day. Okay, and that's per- below BYU. Yeah, these are all below. Purdue, Tennessee is kind of fun. Birmingham Bowls, 20th ranked Houston versus Auburn. I like that more than I like BYU, UAB. Listen, you know what? Sun Bowl, Miami versus Wazoo. That's fun. Oregon versus Oklahoma. No head coaches, but like top 14 and 16. And then Oregon State, Utah State's even kind of fun. There are a few that are way more intriguing than BYU-UAB. Oregon State and Utah State in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. It's <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel, so by nature it's going to be fun. We didn't mi- we didn't mention the Barstool Bowl, though, did we? <laughs> Boise State and what, Central Michigan, I think? Woo! The Chippewas are going to bring it at the Barstool Bowl. We've, I was going to say we've been there, done that, but that was Western Michigan. You want to know what would make uh, BYU's bowl game number one for me, Jerem? What? If Kalani Satake is the coach. Number one. Okay, that would really? make it number one for really? me. Really, number one. Yes, yeah. if he's the coach. I'm going all in. You know Big, what? I don't care. Big game boomer. The Twitter account tweeted out a list of best Twitter follows yeah. for each school. The list at Boney, they list rather, at Boney Fuller as the best account to follow for. Not BYU, Jerem. We weren't the BYU follows, by the way. It's for Utah. Huh? That's Boney Fuller is the best follower for Utah fans. Does this mean Big Game Boomer is a BYU fan? It makes me wonder, right? Because Big Game Boomer... (laughs) Massive troll job here. Well, and we have helped Big Game Boomer quite a bit on this program. Yep. But Big Game Boomer has also helped us. It's been, yeah, uh, a relationship that has been mutually beneficial. Yeah. Big Game Boomer went on Criddle Show, I think, right? I don't think, I don't know for sure if Big Game Boomer is a BYU fan. I don't think that, oh, that he or she is. We don't know. We don't know. But I do think that they are aware of how to troll fan bases that get really bent out of shape so about Big Game things Boomer like this. Big Game Boomer is definitely on Cooper. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, that takes care of the whip. On to more important things, yeah. like BYU women's volleyball, and specifically the volleyball career of star Kenzie Kerber, who has found new meaning and a new home in Provo. This is Deep Blue featuring Miss Kenzie Kerber, presented by Brady Industries, Simply Better. Bauer pulled to the 10-meter line. Kerber, no problem. Seven kills in the first set for the former youth. My heart hasn't felt this happy in a long time. It's been a hard four years, and... The past two and a half years have been great. My first years at college were a little bit rough for me, but past two and a half years have been really a good change for me. Back when I was a junior in high school, I didn't know why I felt like I had to come to Utah, but um, I felt like I had to, and I committed here, and I got here, and it was a great experience. I had a great career up there, but freshman and sophomore year, I was 6'2", same height I am now, but I weighed 130 pounds. I didn't know I had depression until some of these things that happened in my life, and I ended up having to meet with a psychologist three times a week. I was put on depression medication. I was in such a dark place, I'd just wake up and be like, I don't want to eat today. 
To just see her so sad, to me, it was the question is, is this really worth it? You know, like, yes, you're getting a great education, you're on scholarship, but it, it's not worth it if you're having the mental issues that, you know, and problems. When she would feel like depressed or needed some see somebody, she would drive over to my sister's places or her cousins, get a meal, talk to talk to some of the younger cousin that are more in her age that can relate. After those two years, I'm standing in the mirror and I'm like, I'm rock bottom. Like my life is at an all-time low. I grew up non-denominational Christian. Just we went to a little Christian church right in Chino Hills, California, and I knew there was something. I knew, you know, there's God, and I knew that Jesus Christ was his son, but I didn't really know, like, I didn't have answers. She just started asking me all these questions, and they were like really good questions, like really deep, and I was like, I'm on the spot right now. Like, I gotta, I gotta answer these the right way. I had all these questions, but she had answers, and she knew, like, she had a response to my questions, and I was like, all right, next one. And I'd ask her another one, and she'd be like, okay, and she'd have an answer, and I was like, why does she have an answer to everything? She was already really invested from the start. Like, her questions were genuine, and like, you could tell she just wanted that truth right from the beginning. My aunt had sent me a video where she was like, hey, I want you to watch this video when you have the chance. So I'm watching this video, and it's not even really a sad video, and all of a sudden, I just feel like this weight kind of pressing down on my chest and I'm like what is going on and I start bawling and I'm like crying my eyes out watching this video by myself like no one's in the locker room and I'm like what is going on and I like finish the video and I'm like crying and I text Olivia I just remember that moment like so so vividly still um she was like I'm in the fueling station I'll come to the locker room so she runs down the hall knocks on the door and I opened the door and we just like hug. And we're both crying and we're hugging each other. And it was, that to me, was the first experience I had where I knew like, this is true. And this is the life that I want to live. I was thinking about some of the experiences that happened and stuff. And like, I still get goosebumps when I think about like what happened and like the day of her baptism and like the first time she felt the Holy Ghost and just like all these things. It strengthened my testimony and like strengthened our friendship. Once I was baptized and found the church and the effect that it had on my life, I knew that BYU was a place I wanted to be because I knew it would help me progress as a person and not just a player. And a big reason why I felt comfortable coming here was I played for Heather in Japan back in 2019. Um, for two weeks with Heather Knighting was actually on the team and it was just the best experience and I just I hold those memories so near to me all the time because it was such an eye-opening experience to play volleyball in a different country but the memories that I made with my teammates and the coaches and I just felt like I had this really personable connection with Heather. One night after dinner we were walking back to our hotel and she told me that two weeks previous to our trip in Japan she was baptized a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I spun my head around and I said, what? And she said she was baptized. And so she was open and vulnerable and told me her conversion story, was able to connect with her about her baptism. And it was really special to hear her conversion story. And you could see the light in her eyes. You could see how happy she was. And uh, that, that started you know, the good connection that we have. She fulfilled her commitment to Utah. I said, hey, it's a good program. You got a good education out of it. 
what do you want to do now? You want to stay at Utah? Utah's never been to a Final Four like BYU has. So I kind of convinced her, like, maybe you want to stay close to, you know, what you know and where you're at and the values of what brings BYU and the state of Utah and the church brings to you because your values are there. And it was a no-brainer after that. To finish my four years at Utah and feel like this was the right path for me. I mean, I thought about going pro after this spring season. I thought about staying at Utah. I thought about even just being done with volleyball and just getting a real job. None of those really brought me the peace that I felt if I came to BYU. Her faith is so strong now. Being here at the at BYU is just, it's a whole new dynamic. She's so happy. I have friends, family that see her on TV and just say how happy she is playing on this team. But she's just thriving now and never complaining about going to practice or anything so it's just a great feeling. The neat thing about Kenzie is she is this experienced player who's coachable and wants to learn. She's in the gym every day wanting feedback and she wants to get better and she's got this little bit of time left here at BYU where she's enjoying every single moment, every practice, every match, every road trip. You can see the excitement in her eyes for what she wants to do with BYU Volleyball and the goals that she has with the girls on our team. The happiness that I've felt with this team and these coaches and the friends that I've made here and the experiences that I've had, like, I wish my whole life felt like that, you know? But um, I know I had to go through what I had to go through for a reason. Deep Blue with Kenzie Kerber, as we said, motivational, inspirational, emotional, and I just, again, with all of these, love how genuine these athletes are when they open up about hard things. Yeah, she's gone through a lot, as she talked about, and it's been amazing to have her at BYU mm -hmm. on the court, obviously, as one of the best opposites in the country, but as a person, and she brings the juice, she brings the fire, she's helped this team. When, when BYU got her, I thought, oh, BYU's Elite Eight good Absolutely. Now. They need to win Thursday, They're about to right? prove it. But, like, regardless of what they do in the tournament, her life has been affected in an amazing way, and she's affected this team in an amazing way as well. Fantastic awesome. stuff. All right, what's coming up? I look to extend my double-down lead. Why did I ask that? <laughs> Heather Olmstead, speaking of BYU Volleyball, on how the Cougars match up with the six-seed Purdue and get back to another Elite Eight. Jerem is one-on-one -on -one with the coach. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. In case you missed it, BYU basketball with Mark Pope aired last night, but it's on demand on the BYU TV app. Enjoy the coach and Greg Rubel recapping the win over Missouri State, looking at the Utah State and Creighton. It's available on the BYU TV app. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. If you're just joining us, you just missed an emotional story on Kenzie Kerber, who is a huge part of BYU's run to the Sweet 16 again, but they have bigger things in mind. And Jerem Jordan was lucky enough to speak with the head coach, Heather Olmstead, this morning. Absolutely. Big game for BYU coming up with Purdue on Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. The Cougars in Pittsburgh. And this morning I talked to Coach Heather Olmstead about the Sweet 16 and much more. All right, Heather, you've played 31 matches this year. It's come to the Sweet 16, but here we are. Uh, how's the preparation going into uh, the biggest match of the season? Yeah, it's, it's been great. Got out to Pittsburgh yesterday, had a great flight with the team, and got in the gym a little bit yesterday. And a normal prep, like we always do, but obviously, like you said, it's the biggest match of the year. It's our next match. We get to continue to practice every day. We're grateful for that. And looking forward to playing a good Purdue team tomorrow. 
You've been to the Sweet 16, what, six times now, uh, which is insane. What about this experience uh, is new each time, and what about it is very similar? Um, yeah, each time it's it's exciting. It, new team usually, hopefully, um, new new area, new venue. So for us, there's some familiarity with Pittsburgh because we played here in the preseason, so that's kind of fun for us to be back, get to go into the gym later today and practice. Um, but the excitement is always there to be able to continue to play in the tournament, see how good each group can get. And I think this, this team's just trying to take advantage of, of one more practice today before we play at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. It's been a minute, but like you said, you've already made this trip, which is super unique. Sometimes the men's team will go and play where, you know, the final four is just in case. You didn't know that, hey, the regional will be at Pitt when you played Pitt and High Point and uh, Bowling Green. But here we are. So what kind of advantage is that for your team having already made this trip? Yeah, I wish I could say we were that smart as uh, <laughs> coaching staff to arrange this convenience. But really, we... Uh, I've got a great friendship with Dan Fisher and wanted to play his team in the preseason. And so I think we talked about after our match that it was just kind of poetic that we get to go back to where kind of it all started and our first loss and get to have an opportunity just to play in that gym again that we're familiar with. They've got a great gym, great fan base. So um, I think it's just kind of cool and get to play a different you know team in, in Purdue on a neutral site. Um I think it's exciting for our group. Let's talk about the Boilermakers. They're the six overall seed. You're the 11 overall seed. This is a team that is third in the country in blocks per set. Does that adjust your game plan or how you approach attacking the ball at all, given how good they are blocking? I think we're always prepared to play great blocking teams. We've done that in our conference. So our, our offense is trained to be able to hit high and hard like everyone else in the country wants to do. So I, I think that they do a great job blocking. They do a great job defensively. They're scrappy. They're gritty. So we're going to just keep bringing our offensive game plan that we have every match and, and try to try to distribute the ball and, and take great swings, smart swings. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a good, I think, defensive and offensive battle. What kind of motivation is there to set yourself up with a win against Purdue so that you'd have a, a rematch with the only team that beat BYU this year in Pitt? Yeah, we actually haven't talked about that once this whole tournament. I mean, it's so there's so many unknowns. You don't, I mean, that's not a guarantee for them to be there. They've got to play a great Kansas team. So that we've never talked about that. I think if that were to happen, that would be a conversation, but it's never once come up in our team discussions. I think this group is motivated to see how good we can be and how far we can get in the tournament and you can't control who you're playing or where. And, um, you know, we're excited to play a good, a good Purdue team. I, Shondell, Dave Shondell is a great coach um, and they're well-coached, well-trained team. And they play a very physical style of volleyball that, that you're going to see very quickly in the match. Um, they've got two or three hitters. They really like to set. Uh, we're going to have to get our hands in their face pretty early to control some of their offense that they got coming at us. We're talking to the West Coast Conference Coach of the Year, Heather Olmstead, on BYU Sports Nation. Also the Pacific South region. I don't know exactly what that means, but you won Coach of the Year in that as well. Congratulations. What does that mean to you to, I guess, have validating moments for the program perhaps? Yeah, I think thanks. I appreciate it. Um, there's a bunch of regions across the country. Coaches get um, Coach of the Year. Pacific South is the one that we land in, and really it's a tribute to our players and 
they're just a bunch of beasts. And so they, they make me look good. They make our staff look good. Our staff has done a great job all year. It's a credit to, to BYU and the program. But obviously, the job we've done, it's every time someone says how many wins we have, I'm like, how is that possible? Like, it just doesn't even <laughs> register um, how good this team's been and how much they've been able to have success and play together and play hard and resilient. And I mean, that last match was just, I mean, it was incredible to be a part of that last win to continue our journey in the tournament and to have that moment with this team and um, awards are great. They're always team awards and it's nice to get recognition. Um, And we just want to see if we can keep this, this journey going. It was such an emotional journey last week because you play Boise State seasons on the line. They're a conference champ. You got to bring it. You take care of business in three Friday. Quick turnaround to a team you had played in September, but you were two very different teams in Utah. That was an emotional win, as you talked about. And then, hey, we're on to the Sweet 16. So emotionally, what was that like Friday, Saturday, and then moving on to Purdue whenever you did? Yeah, it was pretty incredible uh, to be able to play at home the first two rounds, play a good Boise State team. We played really well. We knew uh, we'd be challenged. You know, every match is, is more of a challenge, not only emotionally, but physically with the, the level. And uh, Utah, you know, was a great opponent. And uh, I mean, you were there, the energy in the gym, it was electric. The, the crowd, Cougar Nation came out. Um, you know, it was just great volleyball, back and forth. Um, and we really just gutted it out. We, we really, at the end of the sets, you look how close those sets were, you know, two, three, and four, they were, you're winning by the slimmest of margins, which it was the, the final point, right? The slimmest of margins, that ball lands in, you know, it's a different game, but, um, so the emotions were obviously very high for the seniors. That's their last home game ever in the Smithfield house to have, you know, a six year player in Kennedy, a fifth year and some transfers and four-year kids that just had that moment, not only in the Smithfield house, but against their rival to continue and get back. And, you know, I told this team, and I haven't probably emphasized it enough to be able to get back to the sweet 16 within six months of when you just were, I don't know if we appreciate how special that is. We don't have to let that sit in our mouths for a year, six, seven months later, we're back in the same spot where we wanted to be and we want to play better and we want to play our best volleyball tomorrow and that's the challenge that we're posing to this group. Let's be our very best tomorrow against Purdue and and leave it all out on the court and see what happens. Saturday was awesome. It's BYU and Utah in the NCAA tournament. I mean, the two top 16 teams, that was incredible. Let's talk about the timing of this game. 11 a.m. Eastern time, 9 a.m. local time. We'll actually be on the air doing the show when it's on, giving reports. How does that change things in terms of preparation? Because this is a very early and kind of different match. Oh yeah. We love it. We were, we requested that time. And so we got it. It was great. I'm kidding. We didn't really, we, uh, <laughs> we played, we played Bowling Green at noon in pit. Um, a couple months ago, we've already talked about it. Um, we played two matches in one day out here. We played Bowling Green and pit that night and high point the next day at 12. I mean, it's, it's volleyball. You got to show up whenever, whoever, and we're ready. So we love it. Um, we're going to get ahead to practice shortly here. Our, our girls are chomping at the bit. And so this, this different regional setup where you're playing Thursday, Saturday, instead of Friday, Saturday, um, the preparation's a little, little shorter, but at the same time, these, these women are ready to go. We've been training for four months. We're ready to play. Um, so we're excited that we get to, to, to start off the sweet 16 matches with a great match um, and hopefully continue our journey. We aired the Kenzie Kerber Deep Blue last night, and it went out on social media, and we played it on the show prior to our conversation here. 
What has she meant to BYU Volleyball this year? Yeah, th thanks for doing that. That Deep Blue is, is incredible what you guys put together. Um, just, just meant a lot. To, uh, obviously, her accolades that she brought to this team, her experience, her leadership, her competitiveness, her smile, her, the way that she interacts with her teammates. She's just a, she's just a, a joy to be around. Um, and so it's just been a wonderful four or five months to be around her and to be able to learn more about her and her journey and, and to add that to our already accomplished, you know, team. It's just, it's been cool. It's been a cool journey. I'm glad she got to tell a little bit of her story and journey. So fans can appreciate what she's been through um, some struggles and where she's at now. And I think people can, can relate to that and, and maybe didn't know certain things about Kenzie. So I think when you're vulnerable enough to tell a story like that, says a lot about you and, and, and your self-belief and confidence in yourself to go and tell that story to the world. Um, and she did that so she could, you know, affect other people and tell her conversion story and, and let people know why she's happy to be at BYU and proud to, to play her final season at BYU with our team. It really was uh, produced by Travis Cameron. He did such a good job. And for those who don't know, there's a deep blue on you and your family. It was the first one. And right now, Kenzie Kerber is the latest one. So go check those out. Two great women's volleyball stories. Well, Heather, BYU Sports Nation karma is coming your way. Best of luck tomorrow. We can't wait for the Sweet 16 matchup with Purdue. Thank you. We'll take it. Take the karma. I appreciate you. Thanks for having us on. Heather Olmstead on BYU Sports Nation. Coming up, today's Rise and Shoutout. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Our BYU Sports Nation question of the day is Kalani Satake, the key to success for BYU football moving forward. Our elite response of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Justin D. Sweeney. Um, yes, he says. Next question. Today's rise and shoutouts presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Who gets it, Jerem? Kalani Satake, don't leave. Our thanks to today's guests. And sorry to Dennis Pitta. We're apparently out of time. For Jeremiah Spencer, see you tonight for BYU basketball. Go Cougs!